If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans chapter 8. Today I'm going to start a two-part series and we'll end it next week. I wanted to finish the year with this passage of Scripture and begin next year with it. And I've called it Finishing Touches for Forward Thinking. Some things that Jesus Christ accomplished for us, we're going to see in this verse, in these few verses of Scripture in Romans chapter 8. It's a powerful, powerful chapter. So we're going to just look into a, a little part of it, but what God has provided for us through his son's sacrifice. When Jesus said, it is finished, what that means for us. What it means for us, the things that he accomplished for us. One, he, the scripture says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested to destroy the works of the devil. That word destroy means to unravel or to render powerless, powerful. So he unraveled the works of the devil. And another thing he did was the scripture says that he, the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was the law, that was contrary to, to us, says he took it out of the way having nailed it to his cross. Amen. So then also, he also, by the shedding of his own blood, the scripture says that once for all sacrifice has removed sin. Removed it. Didn't just cover it, he removed it. You need to know that. You need to understand that you've not just been covered by blood, you've been washed. Not just covered, you've been washed, clean, whole, Pure, holy. This is how God sees you today. Are you hearing me? Because if you buy into the lie that you are a sinner saved by grace, then you live your life on a very low level, and God has called us up way up beyond that. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ. To be a sinner is one thing. To be saved by grace is something altogether different. To be a sinner is to still identify with who you were. But now in Christ Jesus, the old things are passed away. You've been made a new creation in him. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm excited to bring this message to you today. Romans chapter 8, let's go ahead and jump into this. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, is he for you? Who can be against us? Otherwise, In other words, it doesn't matter who's against you. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Say, that's me. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Say all things. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Verse 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long, for we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, thank you now for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the power that's in your word. It is life 
to those who find it. It is health to all of their flesh. And we receive your word today to do its work, spirit, soul, and body. We submit to you. Our hearts are open. Our ears are listening, ready to hear and to do what you've called us to do. Speak to us today. I thank you, Lord, for touching lives at this very moment. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. We thank you, Lord, that you liberate your people through your promises in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everybody say favor. Favor. Now, I feel a little bit like a stepchild talking about favor when Brandon Marshall's in the building because this guy's got such revelation on the favor of God. Uh, But needless to say, I'm going to give it a shot. Verse 31, listen to this. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, I I want you to understand something. That for you to experience the fullness of God's favor in your life, you're going to have to say things about it. What shall we say to these things? Now, being in this church, you understand, if you've been here any length of time, you understand that I, I teach you continually that your life follows your words. All right? Because we're made in the image of God. God spoke and things happened. Matter took place. This is all this matter we see about us started with God speaking the whole universe, the worlds. They're all held together by his word and it's, and it's intact and everything that we know has come together is in existence because God spoke. And you speak and you, it's the building material. The words that you speak are the building material for the life that you want to live. Or maybe don't want to live. Either way, the words are going to work whether they're negative or whether they're positive. The Scripture says that death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. So, you know what? Whatever you've experienced this year in 2013, I want to encourage you for 2014 to begin to say, say what God has said about your life. Put those words out there in your future. Begin to forecast. Begin to confess what God has said. What shall we say to these things? You want the favor of God in your life? Then say it. Expect it. Confess that God's favor is that God is for you so it doesn't matter what comes against you. Because let me tell you something. As a Christian, you're going to have things come against you. Because you're against the flow of this world, its ideologies, its philosophy. You have the devil also to contend with. And then you've got your own flesh who doesn't want to serve God doesn't want to please God. It wants to please itself, right? The world, the flesh, and the devil, all right? But here's the cool thing. You have victory over all of those things through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need, we all need the favor of God upon our lives so that we can demonstrate his glory in the earth, with his power in the earth. There's, there's no shame in having the favor of God. You know, it's God who has given you, as Brandon was saying earlier, he's given you richly all things to enjoy. He doesn't bless you so that you'll go, my God, I don't know why God's so good to me. I ought to feel bad for about living such a good life. No, he gives it to you richly to enjoy. Yeah. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Amen. There's, there's no reason to be down and out for being happy and having the peace of God and being blessed. Amen. The favor of God has come. God is for you. Say it. God is for me. God is for you. He's on your side. He didn't even spare Jesus. It says he didn't even spare his own son for us all. He delivered him up for all of us. Amen. That showed us God made a choice there. God just made a decision. 
Because at one time, that was not his choice to favor all of mankind. Now, his favor, he, uh, his favor was upon the children of Israel because of their father Abraham. God blessed Abraham, and he pronounced a blessing over him. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. All right? So he favored Abraham and Abraham's descendants, that is the natural-born children of Abraham, they would all live in this favor and blessing of God as a result of Abraham's faith in God. Amen. And then even when Jesus came to the earth and he walked the earth and he, and he talked amongst the people, he went about doing good and healing all, the scripture says, who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. But Jesus made it clear what his mission was here while he was here on earth, who his ministry was to. And that was to the Jews. He said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what he came to do. Now, thank God, God had a secret yet to be revealed through the blood of Jesus that all of us, hallelujah, would come into the family of God. But his earthly ministry was exclusively to the Jews. Now, there were some who received the benefits of what the Jews got, favorable benefits like healing, uh, one being a Roman centurion, his servant actually got healed, and then a lady who's, who came to him whose daughter had been possessed of the devil and she was begging him, please come heal my daughter. He says, I'm not, he says it's not right that I throw the children's bread to the little dogs. And what, and Jesus isn't trying to insult the woman, he's saying I, that's not in my mission. It's not right that I take what they is rightfully theirs and give it to you, it's not rightfully yours. And then she said, true, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs. If I could just get a crumb from the table. I like the way T.D. Jakes says it. Because the, if there's healing in the bread, there's healing in the crumbs. <laughs> Amen. Now, all she needed, all she needed was just, uh, and Jesus marveled the scripture at her, it says, at her faith. And he said, woman, be it unto you, whatever you want. See, faith is the access to all of the benefits Faith is the access to all the benefits of the blessing of God, to the full deliverance. It is how we are saved by grace through faith. And it is how you're going to receive anything from God. God cannot and will not resist faith. So that showed us then, that was just kind of a little dawning of God's real heart for mankind, that all he needs you to do is believe him. To believe him, to believe his word, to believe that he is for you, and that God would be willing to give you anything. He expect this year. Listen to me. Expect this year. Expect the favor of God. If you don't expect it, and if you don't confess it, and you're not thinking about it, you're not looking for it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the chances are that you're not going to find it. All right? So you have to say it. What shall we say to these things? God is for me. What shall we say? They say, God is on my side. I expect where I go, the favor of God. See, God has situations waiting for you even this coming year. He's got opportunities. He's got connections. He's got promotions. He has positions. He has blessings that are lying in wait for you. Yeah. Expect it. Look for it. Receive it. That's the only way to do it is receive it. We don't deserve it. It ain't about what we deserve or don't deserve. It's about what God chose to give us. He just chose to do it. He made the choice. And to not expect it and to not receive it and to think that you're not worthy is to simply refuse the free gift of God. Don't refuse that gift. Let him favor your life. Demonstrate his glory in the earth by letting his favor abound in your life even this year. Then, and then let's look at the next verse. The latter part of verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us how many things? All things. Everybody say fullness. See, now that you have received Christ in your life, the scripture says that he, 
He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are now complete in Him. That's amazing. You are complete in Christ. He really is everything that you need. God is able to supply your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Nothing happens in the plan of God outside of working through His Son. Fullness. Fullness. Now, I was telling the earlier service, when I see scriptures like this, I, have, I've, I like debating the scriptures. I thoroughly enjoy it. It's why I teach in a Bible college. I, I, I just I really enjoy uh, talking these things out because I've, I, even myself, I wrestle sometimes with just some of these outlandish things that the scripture says. I call them outlandish because uh, you have to believe them. I mean, it just takes real faith to grab a hold of some of these things. This one right here. He freely give us all things. Now, when you read scriptures like that, and then the scriptures like when Jesus said, ask and you will what? Seek and you will knock and the door will be for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be open. And then he just leaves it like that, daring you to believe something that crazy. But we go to work figuring out reasons why that's not true, why that can't work for me. We start limiting the words of Jesus saying, yeah, but, yeah, but you can't just ask for anything. I mean, you got to, yeah, yeah, you can't just, I mean, you just can't do whatever you want. Yeah, but, but I, I mean, I don't no, chill out. Chill out. Can you just believe what God says? He took the limits off. Why are you trying to put the limits on? Just let it hang out there and let your faith begin to rise to that anything, everything kind of possibility. Jesus didn't go around trying to correct what he was saying. Now, I'm not saying, guys, that you can just ask for anything. No, he never even said that. He just left it out there. Deal with this. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Deal with that. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that whatever he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. Yeah, but Jesus, I don't know, but, but Lord, I can't just ask for anything. Can you believe it? See, this is what this earth needs, is to see this kind of demonstration of faith in the earth. People who fully accept the fullness of God into their lives. See, one of the biggest problems is that way people see God. And I see it by the things that they say. I counsel people for many years. And some of the things I hear them say lets me know where they are in their relationship with God. One of those things is, well, why is God allowing this to happen? Now, I'm not here to step on toes, all right? I'm not here to make you feel. If you said those things, there's forgiveness for you. Uh, why is God allowing this to happen? Or, or, why, or maybe God must be teaching me something. God must be punishing me or correcting me to do something. That's why he's caused this to happen. Or, or um, uh, what's another one? Where is God in all of this? I think about that and I think this, this is either an immature or an insecure person who only sees God through 
circumstantial evidence. Only, their only relationship with God has to do with the external. And so if things aren't going good, then God's working something. Well, I don't know what he's working out, but boy, he sure is messing my life up right now. But if it's all going good, then, you know, whatever. Here's the, here's the problem with that. God is not on the external. As a child of God, he has come to live in you. See, Paul said there was this mystery that was hidden throughout the ages, but now it's been revealed, and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You don't have to hope everything works out out here. It's all worked out on the inside. Hallelujah. You were dead in your sins. You once were darkness, but the scripture says now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Act like that's who you are. Be who you are. Do what you do as the child of God. Know that he's in you. Know that you have everything you need in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether circumstances are good or whether circumstances are bad, it doesn't matter because I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And I have everything I need in him. I'm not hoping all this works out here. I know it will. Because I love God and he's able to make every situation turn around for good. That's the fullness I have of God. That understanding that God is for me, he loves me, and he'll freely give me all things. Full. Everybody say full. So if there's lack in your life, if you're lacking in... As a child of God, it's just not God's plan. So if, it's, if the problem's not on his end, then we need to be honest with ourselves and say, okay, I've got some growing up to do. And the first place is to stop arguing with God. Stop arguing with his word. Stop adding things to his word. Stop putting your denominational slant on the word of God and simply believe the word. And receive the fullness of it. Amen. Everybody all right so far? John 1.16 says, And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. Hallelujah. All right. Let's continue to move on. Can you just say this with me today? Christ lives in me. Today. He freely gives me all things. I am complete in Him. I walk by faith. Every good thing in my life has come from my Father in heaven and will continue to come. All right, let's look at verse 33 of Romans 8. Look at this. Everybody shout, Freedom! Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. When I was coming into my own relationship with God in the Scriptures, I was raised in a preacher's home. And, uh, but there was a time when I had to learn God for myself and come into my own relationship. And I'm grateful to God that I definitely had the advantage of being raised in a godly home so that that had a better chance of happening. But when I was reading this, I remember the first time I came across this Scripture, it kind of scared me. Because I read it like, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. That, that, the God who justifies is the God who's bringing the charge. But that's not what it's saying. It's saying, who can bring a charge? Who can accuse you? God justified you. There's nothing anybody can do about it. 
Who can charge you with anything? Who can bring a charge if God is the one who has justified you? Justified means just, just as if I'd never sinned. Amen. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32, And you shall know the truth. Everybody say, know the truth. And the truth shall make. The truth shall make you free. Now, that's a little different than being set free. Set free is good. I'll take being set free. Being made free is different, though, than just being set free. All right, because there are plenty of people, plenty of prisoners who get set free from prison, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they changed, right? As a matter of fact, a very high percentage of them are repeat offenders. They will come back to prison again. And part of the problem is, I have a friend who's a minister and uh, been in prisons for many years ministering to prison. He says one of the common factors I've seen with these repeat offenders is, he says they have what I call a zero-based vision. He said because they go in and they're in prison and they have one goal, get out of prison. Get out of prison. So then when the time comes and they get out, well, the vision's accomplished, and that's as far as it went for the most part. And then over time, they find themselves falling back into trouble, going back to jail, only to fulfill the vision again to get out of prison. It's a trap. It's a vicious cycle. But the Scripture says, Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And that, there's something transforming about knowing the truth. Hey, it's not just about truth itself setting you free. It's the truth that you know. And when it becomes knowledgeable to you, when you, get, when you understand it, it does something. It transforms you. The scripture says, be not, be, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's a transformation that takes place in knowing what the truth is. It makes you free. You who once were uh, bound, you who once were, were made for bondage through sin, now have been made for liberty in Christ. Amen. And there's nothing that the enemy can do about it because you are not who you once were. Wow. You have been, what does the scripture say? 2 Corinthians 5, it says that... Uh, I'm asking you. I'm supposed to be telling you, ain't I? Okay. It says, uh, if, any, if anyone be in Christ, he is a, a what kind of creation? A new creation. Old things are what? Passed away all things. Behold, all things have been made new. It's an extraordinary thing that God could take you and make you again. I'm making new, Jeremiah uh, chapter 18, he says, I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. Watch this. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel. He didn't make another vessel. He didn't toss this one off to the side and start That's usually what you would do. But he made the marred vessel, that which was in his hand, that was marred, that was no good. He made it again another I don't know how you do that, except you got to be God to do something like that. To take you who were dead in your sins, who were lost, who are away from God, a stranger to the covenants of promise. You were an alien, and now, now you've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. He, you were born all over again. You've been recreated, a new creation in Christ. So now that's why I want to encourage you. You cannot identify with yourself as being a sinner then, because you've been recreated. 
You were a sinner, but now you're saved by grace. Hallelujah. Now you are the righteousness of God in Christ. For you to identify with sin is to simply identify yourself in the flesh. Paul says we don't regard anybody according to the flesh anymore. We understand something greater has happened. Now we're all children of the king, children of God. You, that's who you are. This flesh, yeah, this, this thing's going to go away. It's going to go away. It's going to die. It's going to give out. The moment you're born, this, this flesh is heading for a hole in the ground. Thank God there's more to life than that. You have been recreated. You've been born all over again so that when this flesh fades away, gives out, you really start living. For to be absent from the body, the scripture says, to be present with God. And the good news is, you're going to get a new body anyway. Yeah, this body's going to be all changed. This whole salvation was a three-part process, spirit, soul, and body. You were saved. The moment you put your faith in Christ, the scripture says you were justified. But that happened in the spirit. How many of you found out that, that when you became a child of God, <clears throat> you still had thoughts that you didn't think you were going to have still? That part didn't get changed. You had to take responsibility and start putting new thoughts in your head. That's why you got to renew your mind. Amen? That's called sanctification. That is, you are being saved, separated from this world. Then there's a time called glorification. These are big theological words. Justification, sanctification, glorification. It just means you were saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. Glorification is when you receive a new body. And receive the full measure of your salvation. It's glorious. Why was I saying all that? Oh, yeah, because you've been made free. Made free. Say it. Made free. Amen. Let's go on. Let's continue. Verse 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God. Everybody say fearlessness. Hey, listen, there's no reason for you to fear because Jesus died. What did he die for? He died for your sins. That is, he took the blame for what you and I did. He took the punishment. God, God pronounced the judgment and then by his mercy and grace, he carried out the sentence himself. So that's why you don't have any fear. That's why you shouldn't have any fear anyway. What do you have to be afraid of if Jesus already was judged for you? That means you can't be judged. You ever heard of the law of double jeopardy? That once you've been acquitted of a crime, you cannot be convicted for that same crime? It would be unjust for God to convict you or to condemn you or to judge you for the sin that he judged Jesus for. All right? <laughs> I don't know what that does for you. That makes me want to shout. That is amazing. There's no fear that this judgment day is coming. Judgment day. Yeah, it's coming. It's not going to be good for some folks, but it's going to be good for you. It is going to be a good day. Watch this. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Look at this. Love has been perfected among us in this. Ready? That we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Boldness in the day of judgment? Wow. Now, if you think about that day, if you think when 
you see yourself standing before God and it's a terrifying, shaking in your boots moment, you have not been perfected in love. And let me just encourage you, that just means you just need to receive the love of God into your life to where you're fully convinced that Jesus really did take care of your sin problem. That he who knew no sin became sin. He became a curse for you. And you became blessed of God. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Ready for this? Watch then the next. I mean, I love the scriptures. But it takes faith to believe this stuff. All right? Because you, you'll fight this in the natural. Your own mind will go, what? Watch. Because as he is. What's this next line say? As he is, so am I. Is it true? Is it true? Are you like Jesus? Is it true? Yeah, it is. Absolutely, it's true. Because God has a system. He set up a long time ago, and that system is the seed produces after its own kind. Can you do one more scripture? Heck yeah, we can. All right, let's go one more place. John 12, Josh. I didn't have that on there. John 12, verse 20. John 12 and verse 20. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. You know, God cannot give you something he doesn't have. Did you know that? So he's not giving you a spirit of fear. Because he is love and love can't give fear. Amen. Love drives out fear. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, as I said earlier, Jesus' earthly ministry was to the Jews exclusively. These Greeks really don't have any business seeking audience with Jesus, to be honest with you. All right, verse 22. They represent us, is who they represent. Then Philip came to Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. So basically, they... Philip goes and gets Andrew. They come to him and say, there's these Greeks. There's these outsiders that want to come and see you. Ready? Now watch what Jesus, and Jesus answered to them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. If it dies, it produces That's what happens in the germination process of the seed. If it germinates, then it gets the potential to produce more seed like itself. He says if the seed goes into the ground, it dies, then it produces much more. And this was Jesus was actually speaking of himself. He's actually speaking of himself. It's kind of interesting. It takes a second to really get what he's saying because uh, this is humorous to me because I'm trying to put myself in the disciples' shoes here, Right? There's these guys, they want to see you, Jesus. Well, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Okay. So you want to see those guys? Or is that, is that yes or no? What does that mean? He was answering their question. But it wasn't time yet. The seed had to die. And if God is ever going to watch over a seed to make sure that that seed produces after its kind, he's going to watch over his greatest seed, his own son, 
The Bible calls him the seed of David who was sown into the earth. And when he died, ladies and gentlemen, all of you and I, all you and I, through faith, became like him. That seed produced much grain. That's what he was telling the Greeks. You want to see Jesus? You're about to see him all over planet earth in a place called the church of the living God. Because as I am, so are they in this world. Because the seed produces after its kind. You have to be just like Jesus. Otherwise, God's seed plan didn't work. But he planted the greatest seed. And at one time when Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. No longer is that true anymore. Is he the only begotten of God? Hallelujah. But now the scripture says, now he is the firstborn among many brethren. We're all now sons of the living God. We're all Hallelujah, children of promise today by faith in him. I want you to rise to that level of faith this year. Let, let your heart speak to you concerning who you are in God. Let the word of God penetrate your life. Live your life from that vantage point. Live your life with that truth that you are his and he is yours. He is for you. There's no reason to fear. There's no reason to fail. Hallelujah. And if you do fail, there's grace for you. And God will lift you. And God will help you to continue to move forward. God will help you to live this life, a good life right now. Are you hearing me? Because he's for you. He loves you. He's on your side. There's no reason to fear any enemy, any circumstance, any situation. Because you have the victory. You have the victory in him. So that you can live a fearless life. One that's granted with the favor of God. One that abounds in his fullness and lives in his freedom. Next week I'm going to finish up with the the latter part of this this chapter. But I want to encourage you. Amen. Whatever has happened this year, don't look at 2014, whether it was good, bad, or ugly. Don't look at 2014 through those events. You look to him whose ways are higher, whose thoughts are higher than yours. There is more for you to experience. Are you hearing me? Don't get satisfied with status quo living. Don't get satisfied with good enough. One of God's names is the God of more than enough, El Shaddai. Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this great year. Lord, thank you that whatever has occurred this year, whether it is good or bad, Lord, we know that you are with us. We know that you're with us and that you're able to make every situation turn around for good. And I think that we're all here gathered in this house today to be built, encouraged, strengthened by your word. Thank you that all your promises are in Christ Jesus today, yes and amen. That your people this year, Lord, will have a breakthrough year, God. Miracles abounding. Love abounding. The grace of God multiplying. Father, I thank you that you bless them abundantly, far above all they could ask or think, God, so that your glory will be known in the earth, that as they go and do, will be who they are and do what they do, that others will see their good works and glorify our Father in heaven. God, let this be the year that you get the glory more than ever in our lives, God, in the things that we say, the things that we do, the thoughts that we think, the way that we live, God. We are yours. We are yours, and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Don't forget to share that amazing news with somebody this week that Christ died for your sins. He was buried, and he rose again from the dead three days later. And all who believe on him will have everlasting life.
Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.